You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. On this edition, we'll hear from artists who are pushing boundaries in dance and performance in this year's Fresh Festival, which opens January 6th. They'll be experimenting with variations on the theme of tenderness. You see, white supremacy is very, you know, male, like, you destroy violence and everything. And just looking at tender as a revolution, it's very revolutionary. <laughs> For me, the main thing that I keep thinking about in 2020 is, is joy. We have so many things that we have built that are on a better trauma. And so I wondered, like, what if we built it on our joy? I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Civic. There are a lot of aspects to the term tender. It might evoke thoughts about tenderness or tending to something or someone, or it could lead you to think about pretending, portends, tendencies, intentions. This is the kind of exploration artists performing in Fresh Festival 2020 will be pursuing, but on the stage. It's an experimental dance, music, and performance festival. Creators whose work is being featured are also exploring new ways to bring their communities into the artistic process, including hosting panel discussions, presentations, salon experiences, and other events with artists and activists. To tell us more about what to expect at this multimodal performance festival, we're talking today with its co-curator and one of its artists. Jose Navarrete is the co-curator of Fresh. He began performing in his native Mexico City in parks, hospitals, at children's parties, then went on to study dance at the National Institute of Fine Arts in Mexico. He's also studied anthropology, dance, and taiko, and he currently curates and produces the Live Arts in Residence initiative at Eastside's Art Alliance. It provides residencies and performing opportunities for artists of color in East Oakland. Jose, welcome. Thank you so much for the invitation. Also here is Regina Y. Evans, a fresh exchange artist. She owns Regina's Door, a social enterprise vintage clothing store in Oakland. Regina's Door operates as a creative arts, healing, and sanctuary space for survivors of sex trafficking. She's also an award-winning social justice poet, a playwright, a costumer, and a performer. Regina, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. So I've already mentioned that the theme of Fresh this year is tender. Could you both tell me a little bit about how you've reflected on that theme, what your initial responses were to the idea when you first heard it, and what angles your work for this program will take on that mm-hmm. theme? I think tender for me, uh, for me means like how flexible we are with our softness <laughs> in the world especially when we are living in a time that everything is disrupted and and violated you know the the communities of color are violated the 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 female bodies are violated the the the, the, the whole being poor is being violated so like for me to find this concept of 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 tender in the sense of flexibility to try to expand yourself to create some kind of solidarity with the pain of others it's it's what i am looking for so tenderness both as empathy but also as like something is tender it hurts it hurts because actually we are hurt i mean like every time like every time i watch the, ne- the news hear the news it's always like it, it's constant like how we are living uh, at this time is constant we are living in so much uh, violations of human rights and and everything. So, 
So for me is to to really look at instead of being anger and being um, frozen or being paralyzed, I, I, I guess I think for me to just move around my surroundings, I need to look at, find other ways to survive, which is, is tender, like how I can see this pain, but trying to mitigate the pain with with this softness that I need to heal myself right? and to heal others. Regina, what would you add about the the theme? Um, When I think of it, I think more of a stitching together. That's appropriate for your art, too. Yeah, just um, because if you think about hand sewing, it's very particular. It's very loving. You have to know the feel of the fabric um, in order for you to stitch two pieces together. Your eye has to be focused on it if you want, like, a beautiful stitch. And it's it's a very slow, like, intimate process. So just like this. And, and it's so focused. It's focused on the fabric. And so it's a tender process, a tender, beautiful healing process. And so that I, I think of stitching and also joy because what are those ingredients as you're putting in the as you're stitching it together and for me the main thing that I keep thinking about in 2020 is is joy really yeah Mm. that's positive I'm glad that you're thinking about joy well I am because we have so many we have so many things that we have built that are on a bed of trauma and so I wonder like what if we built it on our joy Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you also brought up the term focus a lot because one aspect of tending is attending, like paying mm-hmm. attention to mm-hmm. and being, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be attended, mm-hmm. attentive mm-hmm. in order yeah. to tend to something. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I want to bring up also what the festival director, Kathleen Hemmersdorf, has said about this, which is trying to find a tender way of dealing with her outrage and burnout. And that this is a response Mm -hmm. to everyday heartbreak and despair and and fatigue. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you can both talk a little bit about dealing with despair and fatigue. And like you just said, you know, joy, finding joy in the midst of despair and fatigue. How do you do that? Well, definitely, I think uh, being an artist and trying to work with communities in need has allowed me to be inspired and keep going. Providing support for people in need, um, it's it's a healing process also for me too <laughs> because it's like the reciprocity that comes to you, you support and then they eventually they support you. Uh, also, I am very interested in, in collaborations, you know, who I would like to be in a dialogue artistically that it helps me to be inspired. But I think, you know, I am very picky about <laughs> collaborators because I think <laughs> I am very interested. Like, I, I, I love the um, political and social discourse of what we are living. So, like, it's in, 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 we need to have those conversations. We need to talk about race. We need, to co- we need to talk about economics. We need to talk about white supremacy. I mean, like, those are the things that I feel I am. Um, I look for in the collaboration 
artistic collaboration that I am working and having. So I think for me is that being with the community, supporting the community, as well as having collaborations with people that I feel uh, we enrich each other to find ways artistically to address issues that pertain a particular community or or the life that we are living. Is there something revolutionary about that? Because this is, again, from the director of the Fresh Festival. She, she called it a tender revolution. There's a need for a tender revolution. I mean, is that is that contradictory to you, or does that sound like exactly what you're doing, is building revolution? Well, the thing is, like, if you see white supremacy, like the concept of white supremacy, like, it's very... Um, you know, male, like like you need to destroy violence and everything. And just looking at tender as a revolution, it's very revolutionary. <laughs> because it's like you need to find ways in which you need to use another energy, another another way to do, to do things. And I think that's what we are hoping to to trigger, hoping to inspire revolutionary by being the opposite of what's currently happening yeah or, or yeah, rejecting like that idea yeah, re- yeah what do you think i don't think maybe rejecting the idea is just like building on mm-hmm. what's what runs in your own veins i was having a conversation with my mom I asked my mom uh two days ago uh, i was talking to her about my great-grandmother mama joe who's uh, african-american and cherokee and she was a child of a slave and I asked her, I said, do you remember her laughing and what made her joyous? And my mom looked at me like I was crazy because I was like, did she like, you know, she was like, yeah, they had they had joy in each other, but they kept it away from the oppressors. Mm. So she said they had a very quiet joy and part of their quiet joy was in community with other black women. And so they had like, Secret societies, you'll see a lot of secret societies coming out of that whole whole ideology, but it was very quiet. And um, and if you think about it, even like the hush harbors that the slaves use, you used to go to hush harbors and worship. So hush harbors just were safe places that might be out in the out in the um, in the forest, away from the, the cabins, away from the plantations in the middle of the night very quiet you know very quiet places Mm -hmm. and so I think there's that whole theme there and then the other thing too is there is joy in those little tiny protests that'll up the system up you know Mm -hmm. like that you see how you just smile because that's why I think people did that a lot we talked about this right Mm -hmm. it's just the little small ones that seem like they weren't really anything but they were I think like doing a lot of that in 2020 I was talking to someone and they were saying that in Louisiana women would if they could get if they could get different types of patterns of material cuz usually they had Osnaberg, I think Lindsay, uh burlap things like that but sometimes like if you look at some of the old slave fabrics you'll see stripes, you'll see small flowers, flower patterns and so what they would do, they would mix their patterns because it would drive the enslavers crazy. 
Yeah, like little things like that, uh-huh. you so. know. So I'm trying to do a lot of that this year mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's it's joyous. It's kind of funny, and it's it's an inside secret. Yeah, yeah. small small acts of nonviolent Listen, resistance. Very small and very quiet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Jose, you run this initiative with Fresh called the Deep Community Engagement Initiative, and you're bringing in community members and artists and all kinds of people to this festival to participate. Can you talk a little bit about developing that effort of bringing in the community more? Mm-hmm. Well, we have been, uh, in the past years, we have been, um, uh, we have invited people like Regina uh, come to uh, have a presentation and and emphasizing kind of the work that is between an artist and the community. And I felt that that was something unique in San Francisco in the Bay Area. Like there is a lot of artists invested in, in, in communities and working really deep in communities. And I wanted to bring some light into it. So this is kind of the first time that we are emphatically, like, articulating this initiative, so deep community engagement. So that means that we invite people um, and also the community to be part of this presentation. And it can take different different expressions, like Regina is going to do a performance and is going to do some interventions. Mujeres Unidas, which is uh, the group that we invite, is a group of Latina women that advocates for labor rights and also supports uh, survivors of sexual and domestic abuse here in San Francisco and in Oakland. So, and they are very involved in, uh, they feel that art is a, a way of healing and also speaking out or spreading out their, their truth and their knowledge. And uh, Sky Watchers, Sky Watchers is a group of residents in the Tenderloin uh, that is run by Anne Bluthenthal that they come to create art and you know they are becoming a great advocates for for people the people having no houses here mm-hmm. like creating change in city hall and advocate for those changes so we are inviting them we are specifically inviting them to talk about the work that they do artistically and socially and politically. So, so Skywatchers will be coming to talk about the work that they do. Mm-hmm. Is Mujeres Unidas, Is there, what are they going to be doing as part of the festival? Well, uh, actually, with Mujeres Unidas, I, um, I, am work, I have been working with them in the last four years, uh, providing art healing um, tools for them. Mm-hmm. So we did a piece called Ibastaya. Enough. Enough. <laughs> and um, we are going to continue doing that. And it's based in the stories of uh, uh, domestic and sexual survivors. And we we kind of use tools, uh, art tools, theatrical tools to magnify the story. And, and there is so much talent. And I think the work is really powerful, really powerful and very... I can say sophisticated <laughs> because we do a lot of video, sound landscapes. We, we invite artists really collaborating with, with, the, with the members of Mujeres Unidas. So it really creates a um, great um, spectacle, but based on their stories, in their life stories, using art as an expression to magnify their views. 
We'll get back to this conversation about the Fresh Dance Festival with co-curator Jose Navarrete and exchange artist Regina Y. Evans in just a moment. You've been listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. The San Francisco Public Press and KSFP rely on support from readers and listeners like you. That's why we're excited to participate in Newsmatch, a national collaboration of journalism funders. Newsmatch will double donations from individuals to the public press through the end of the year. Your pledge will support independent, diverse local perspectives and investigative reporting. Visit sfpublicpress.org donate. This is KSFP LP San Francisco. Welcome back to Civic. Let's hear more from Jose Navarrete, co-curator, and Regina Y. Evans, exchange artist, about the Performing Arts Festival, Fresh. Regina, I want to ask you a little bit about your work because you own Regina's Door, the social enterprise vintage clothing store in Oakland, and you also have this initiative, um, Conjure and Mend, to help young survivors of trafficking to learn the art of costume making. (laughs) Can can you talk a little bit about bringing those worlds together? I started costuming just kind of organically, and then I started costuming to help support Regina's Door and the young girls that I support. And so that's how my costuming career started. And then I was like, well, I can take them on my jobs with me. And so I started taking them on costuming jobs with me and just to give them different experiences. And how did you start supporting these young girls? The first thing is I I am a survivor of trafficking. I didn't actually have the language for what it was. Like after very, there was a very long time between being trafficked and my healing. Mm -hmm. I just kind of was like, okay, let me just move on with my life. And so during my healing process, I began to have the language. And then I was like, whoa. Like, I didn't, I didn't know what it was, and then I thought, oh, okay, so that's crazy that I didn't know, but I, a lot of survivors will say that's that. It's really common, right? It's just like we didn't have the language for it. Yeah. And so I was actually, when I started healing, I was actually living in Australia. I lived there for like 15 years. I had a store there. So I had this like huge like spiritual experience, and I was like having all these dreams in my store, and then dreams in my store, there was nothing in my store. Wow. And then I had a dream that my father died and then I called my mom in the morning I said I think I'm supposed to come home she said good because your father's dying (gasps) I was like oh wow so like y'all wasn't gonna tell me so I I shut my store down it was very popular you know I came home literally with nothing when I had this like beautiful store and I I came home with like $68 I gave away everything I was like I'm having a spiritual experience they were like get a job <laughs> Don't have time for spiritual experience. Yeah, but on that journey, I kept running into young survivors. I'd be on the BART, and I'd run into a young survivor. It was like that. It was crazy. It was like everywhere. And then somebody asked me if I could um, teach creative writing at a at a shelter for young survivors. Mm. And that's where I met my friend, Sarai, who runs, she actually started Missy. She runs an organization called Shade now. I met her there, and I caught her fire. And then I got really angry. And I was like, well, I don't have any money, but I am a poet. And so I was like, this is how it happened. I was like, I'm a poet. Shakespeare was a poet. 
he wrote plays. I'm going to write a play on trafficking. It was That was my thinking. It was just straightforward, just like that. It was just like that. I was like, Shakespeare did it. I'm going to do it. It was just it's like that. Right. And so I did. I wrote, uh, I wrote my first play. It sold out like every night. We got a ton of people involved. And I tried to do it in San Francisco, and it fell apart. And I was really tired because in all of that, I was act- I'd actually gone homeless because of stuff with my family. So I'm homeless doing all this stuff. I'd never been homeless before. But How did you land on opening a store? I mean, I knew you were running one in Australia. Because I have one in Australia. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that it would be restored in this land. Mm-hmm. It's Oakland. It's, that's where I was born. So if mm-hmm. I could do it there, I could do it in my own land. And so I also needed a place that was a platform. And so I just was, I just kept asking spirit, ancestors, God, I need a space. And so that space presented itself. And it's been there now um, for six years. So I use, so everything merged, see how everything merges together. So people, so the girls started doing performances in the store. I would do performances in the store. I was like, if you want, can you sing? Can you do this? Can you do that? So I would let them set up their own um, concert. And I would stand at the door and collect money for them. And then I was doing so much costuming, I needed a new space. Because that space is 500 square feet. Ooh. So and I'm, and I'm costuming plays and, like, right. trying to run the business. And it's just, you know, sequins and, you know fabrics like all over everywhere and I'm trying to like run the business at the same time and I'm like I need a new space so I got a new space and that space is 700 square feet and that's where the costuming happens now it's where the costuming happens Mm -hmm. which is so good so uh, we start classes and I run the space with Amara Tabor Smith who's an amazing amazing artist and um, we start classes in January but I've already been taking um, young survivors on um, jobs with me. And so. how, how do you see them respond to that? How does it change them or how does it help them express themselves when they come on jobs with you or when they work in these mediums? It just depends, you know. When I was, because I decorated the store myself, conjuring men, and there was a young 16-year-old one of the organizations called me and said, can you, can she come and work with you now? We'll pay her. She just needs to be around you. They call me Mama Reg. I was like, okay. So she would come in, and I said, you could decorate the door. And I was decorated, decorated this huge wall. And I'd be doing my thing, and I'm just humming. And all of a sudden, I just, I noticed there's just silence. And so I'm like, are you Okay. And she's like, it's just good. Nobody's bothering me. Mm. There's no, there's no rush. There's like nothing. And so that's how she responded. And here's also what happened during that time. She was like, I want to, I want to be a surgeon. But I'm in, I'm in school for doing nails, which there's nothing wrong with that. And instantaneously that day, all these people were coming in the store, like my mom, my mom, she was talking to her, my friend, Brian Keith Thomas, he came in. So everybody, it was just all of a sudden. And so she's able to listen to everybody's story, you know? 
and she's 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 in college now. So I one thing I don't do is I don't keep numbers. You just run it. I don't have to track nothing. So what I track is love. And I, I see them like expand and then sometimes they'll go into the cells. It's just like any normal other thing, you know, but the wounds are so deep. You have to be able to listen to the underneath screams of pains, you know, like all of those things. You have to be resilient enough to hold them. You have to be healed in yourself enough to hold their pain, um, you know, and that have had situations where I've taken them with me on jobs and they've just lost it. And like, I'm gonna cut you, I'm gonna kill you, you know, like that, like that, you know. And I never really respond. I'm just like, you want to go get some ice cream? I know, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a counselor, so I don't have like those kind of counseling skills. But I, I am trained in, um, in um, anti-trafficking work and trauma informed and that kind of thing. But mainly, I just act from my heart. So it, ju- it just depends. It's that's why what. Um, these deep engagements. You see why it's so necessary? Because it can't just be, okay, I'm going to hang out with you for a week or, you know, a couple months. Yeah, this is a good opportunity to bring you back in, Jose, to talk about deep engagement and what that means because you're working here with Mujeres Unidas and, I mean, can't help but notice, but they're a women's group and you're a man coming into that space. Can you say a little bit about how you developed the relationship with them? They invite me to have a class, a movement class that help them to kind of have tools for relaxation and, you know, body care. Uh, So they, they invite me. Uh, because I have a friend that she was working with Mujeres Unidas, so she recommended me to start working with, with them. So that happens like four years ago. They like my class because, I, you know, I, I, um, I have some affinity with them because most of them are Latinas and they are monolingual, so, and they are immigrants. So, like, that was my connection with them. And uh, we love the music. We love salsa, merengue, you know, like cumbia. So, like... In every time I was teaching, I was bringing all these cultural elements, those popular cultural <coughs> elements, into into my into my plate, and um, we start finding this beautiful relationship with them. How long did this take? I mean, you haven't started working with them two weeks ago. It took me four years. Wow, four years to like finally. I think last this year we did a big project, a big uh, production. But it took me four years to to just you know build my relationship with them, and it's very interesting because um, it's the first time that they are working with men. When I came in, like one of the members said, like, "Oh, like I was so afraid to talk to you because all my relationship with men have been very devastating, like always violence, always this, like, and I felt that that I was holding so much that that when I start seeing you more often and knowing you more I felt like oh you know he's not that bad <laughs> he learned. so like they start really open up to listen and 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 to to be working together it was very interesting in the process of healing because um it was a moment that I found myself finding a connection why I need to be there or why they were asking me to do this work of healing 
because I found myself that I was r- in my experience and how I carry myself. I I I am a, I call it second survivor. In terms of like like my mother have a lot of sexual abuse in the house, and I saw that. So it, so like I, you know, and I feel when there is any any trauma like that, like always the 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 second victims I call it right, like like the the, the little kids, the young girls, the mothers, the aunties, the, the whole family gets uh, affected by that, yeah. and I felt for me that it was very clear. Like I said, like, oh okay. This is where what is really happening. I am with them, and they want me to be there because there is something that I need to do with them. That was Jose Navarrete, co-curator of the Fresh Festival. Mujeres Unidas y Activas, the organization he's been working with, will appear with Naka Dance Theater, his company, at Brava Theater Center on 24th Street on Wednesday, January 22nd at 7 p.m. You also heard from Regina Y. Evans, Fresh Exchange Artist, She'll also be appearing at Brava from 7 to 9 p.m. on Wednesday, January 8th. Fresh Festival opens January 6th and runs through the 26th. You can find more information at freshfestival.org. I'm Laura Wenis. You've been listening to Civic. Civic is a production of the San Francisco Public Press. sfpublicpress.org. Your host is Laura Wenis. Producer and contributor, Mel Baker. Thanks for listening.